Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. The Guardian. Welcome to Politics Weekly Extra. I'm Jonathan Friedland. When it comes to vaccination against COVID-19, Joe Biden has always aimed high. 58 days into our administration, we will have met my goal of ministering 100 million shots to our fellow Americans. Despite early signs that the president was reaching his targets, in June we saw a change of tone. Vaccine take-up wasn't as high as he had hoped. Biden needed to rally the troops. We're announcing a month-long effort to pull all the stops, all the stops to free ourselves from this virus and get to 70% of adult Americans vaccinated. But that goal was only met this week, much slower than had been hoped. August began with fewer than 55% of Americans fully vaccinated. Although there were signs at the weekend that states with low vaccination rates, mainly in the South, were starting to see an uptick in shots. The president says he wants to keep politics out of it. Getting the vaccine is not a partisan act. You'd think so, right? So our question for this week, are America's politicians, whether at state or federal level, helping the fight against COVID-19 in the US or hurting it? To get some answers, I spoke to my colleague, Jessica Glenzer. She's The Guardian's senior health reporter in the US, and she's been talking to people all over America about why the vaccine rollout has stalled. We started off by talking about the current situation and the current data on COVID-19 cases in the US. So first of all, Delta is the dominant variant in the United States right now. We're seeing roughly 78,000 new cases per day on a seven-day average. Now, compare that to the worst wave of COVID when we were seeing 250,000 new cases per day, roughly, and that was in January. In the hospital, we've got about 43,000 people hospitalized with COVID-19 right now. That's compared to 137,000 people at the peak of the pandemic in January 2021. And then just to remind people, at this point, the United States has lost 613,000 people uh, roughly to COVID-19. We're seeing about 300 deaths per day compared to 3,200 at the peak of the pandemic. Right. So those numbers down. And as you said, part of that is because if it's more young people who proportionally are getting affected, young people tend not to have this disease as seriously 
or as fatally as older people. So that would explain that slight difference in the numbers. You wrote recently for The Guardian about and talking to the people themselves who are deciding or not to get vaccinated or just for whatever reason haven't got vaccinated. Just from that, and I know, you know, the plural of anecdote is not data, but just from what you've picked up, what were you coming across as reasons that people gave for why they were in that 45% of people who are not fully vaccinated? The reasons that people have given me are really complex and often highly personal. So I'll give you just one example. Uh, One of the people that I spoke with, her name was Yolette Bonnet. She's the CEO of a small chain of healthcare clinics that serves predominantly low-income people in rural Florida, Palm Beach County. And she's one of my favorite people to speak to, actually. I mean, she's someone I've been speaking to throughout the pandemic, and she totally bowled me over the other day because she told me she just got her vaccine that day. Yolette is the type of person that would have been eligible to get a vaccine very early in the rollout, say December. She comes from the community that she serves, and she's a Black woman, and she said that she just had questions that she didn't feel had been answered, but that eventually seeing younger and younger people get sick in her community and with the encouragement of her husband and her daughters, both of whom are physicians, she eventually got the vaccine. But that, and and I should say, not only did she get the vaccine, but seeing her get the vaccine encouraged a dozen of her staff members to get vaccinated that very same day. And I think it was important and emblematic in Yolette's case that she got vaccinated after seeing the resurgence of COVID-19. We're seeing in tandem with the increase in new cases and increase in new vaccinations. So we saw a plateau in vaccinations, around a half a million adults per day. And then just in the last few days, we've seen that go back up again to more than 600,000 vaccinations on average per day, which is a very hopeful sign. So this suggests when people think it's more of a threat, more of a worry, they turn up to get vaccinated. And when they think problem over or problem receding, they are less likely to. I think, yes, for a lot of people, it was, I'm concerned. I have this reason to be hesitant. Perhaps it's the historic abuse of the medical industry for people of color. Perhaps it's that President Trump said it wasn't such a big deal after all. Uh, Perhaps I can't get time off of work. Perhaps it's a 35-mile drive and I don't have a car. That people are prioritizing getting the vaccine now as they hear about an increase in COVID-19 cases. In other words, it hasn't gone away. There is this pattern, and I mentioned it at the top there, that states in the South have tended to be lower in their rates of double vaccination or a vaccination. But if we put the politics to one side, we're going to get to it. Are there any other explanations for why that would be that states in the South have fewer people vaccinated? So when you talk about vaccination status, there's several overlapping themes that make a person more or less likely to be vaccinated. So one of them is identifying as a conservative or a Republican, which has been the most shocking and surprising, I think, for public health workers. But there are a lot of others that they anticipated. One is being a Black or Hispanic American makes you less likely to be vaccinated. Being a rural American makes you less likely to be vaccinated. Having a high school diploma or less makes you less likely to be vaccinated. And when we talk about the South, 
there's a lot of overlap there between those categories. So they're not just Republican and conservative places. They're also rural with large Black uh, American populations. And they also tend to uh, spend less overall on public health. And I'm going to give you one example from two different ends of the spectrum. Missouri, which is now in the midst of one of the worst Delta outbreaks, spends $7 per person on public health or spent in 2020, where New York spent $85 per person on public health measures. So you can see, I think, pretty easily how that might impact your ability to get shots in arms if you're just spending less overall on public health. Well, that's um, incredibly useful. And that absolutely, as you say, explains why there might be these differentials and disparities, a whole lot of demographic factors, but also um, some some politics in there. Let's drill down into the politics then. And, you know, you've said it there that actually it did shock people in a way, the, way, the, the fact that it was, this was so political and that crudely put almost, if you were a Democrat, you were more likely to be vaccinated than if you were a Republican. Uh, and, and you know, put, put that against the backdrop of all those other factors which we've talked about. So what exactly is that about? What is the politics doing there that accounts for that political disparity between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated? It's going to disappear. One day it's like a miracle. It will disappear. You know, it could get worse. If you think about the rhetoric through the pandemic, and especially during the Trump administration, there was a lot of downplaying of COVID-19 and questioning, is it really as serious as public health people say it is? It is. But that had sort of painted Republican politicians into a corner where it made it more difficult to convince the base to get vaccinated when for 16 months you've been saying We should reopen the economy. It's not the virus that's uh, weighing on the economy. It's all of these restrictions the Democrats want us to put in. And the virus isn't as serious as everybody says. And this sort of whole misinformation echo chamber that was created and I think instilled a lot of doubt in conservative and Republican people about whether they themselves should get the vaccine. Was it really worth the risk if COVID-19 wasn't such a big deal. If you compare that to the messages coming from Democratic state, city, county leaders saying we're taking this very seriously and I think that we need to shut down restaurants right now versus, for example, Texas reopening unilaterally, you can see how people in different states might have got different messages about the level of seriousness with which they should take COVID-19 And I do want to say that right now, the majority of Republicans have been vaccinated, 52%. Compare that, though, to Democrats, 86% have been vaccinated. And and then Republicans have sort of tried to encourage the base to get vaccinated. And so you have people like Sarah Huckabee Sanders, former press secretary for the Trump administration, telling people to get vaccinated and calling it the Trump vaccine, She writes, quote, if President Biden, Vice President Harris and others on the left truly care about increasing the vaccination rate and saving lives, they should admit they were wrong to cast doubt on Operation Warp Speed and give President Trump and his team the credit they are. But then opposing vaccine mandates. So it's a it's a very muddled message that I think makes it difficult for Republicans to have a really, really strong message to their base to go get vaccinated. That's been 
a message that has eluded Republican politicians so far. It's it's made for some really fascinating politics because what you've mentioned there with Sarah Huckabee Sanders is is an individual who is saying that the previous Republican message uh, maybe needs you know changing. But what's been really striking are people who've had to reverse themselves and you know where they have been themselves deeply vaccine skeptical, who then have been telling their followers, "Look, I got this wrong. Go and get the vaccine." I'm thinking of two cases that really leap to mind, and one is the. A talk radio host in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, Phil Valentine. Valentine now taking a completely different stance on the COVID-19 vaccine. Like some Tennesseans, the chance of side effects had him passing on the shot. Well, now he's getting treatment at a Nashville hospital after developing pneumonia from the coronavirus. Having been on the air telling his listeners, you know, this is all exaggerated. Don't bother. The chances are almost next to none that you're going to get it. Uh, and then... In the same state, in Tennessee, a, a member of the state legislature, uh, State Representative David Byrd, who also had been saying, uh, you know, we don't need to bother particularly with this, and then hospitalised. I think he spent 55 days on a ventilator. And now he says, yeah, COVID-19 is real and very dangerous and people should get vaccinated. I mean, those are standout examples, both from the state of Tennessee. But has that been something you've been seeing where the very politicians who before, in particularly perhaps in the sort of high watermark of the Trump era, were saying, be sceptical, this is not as bad as people are telling you, have had to reverse themselves and are now saying the very opposite. Yes, but I think what I see more is just confusion of the message. So there's also, you know, for example, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has been telling people to get vaccinated since the very beginning. But then if you have people like Phil Valentine in Tennessee saying, really be skeptical of this thing. And I don't know if you actually need it. It just makes it an incredibly confusing landscape for people. And I think makes them susceptible to misinformation in a way that a consistent message would buffer against. Yeah. I mean, and the whole, uh, the perfect example of, of, of what you just said there, I think about confusing the public health messaging, but also of how politicized this has all become, is the treatment of supposedly completely neutral public health officials by their political masters. And I think a study has been done that shows 248 public health leaders in 41 states, so that's both red and blue states, Republican and Democrat, have been fired by their political masters or, or resigned or been pushed out since April 2020, when the pandemic really was fully up and running. Uh, obviously, this is a whole lot of different stories in all those 248 cases. But what's your overall sense of why these people, public health officials, career officials, have one way or another ended up out of their jobs? Uh, you know, what's the story with those people? And I know there are one or two standout specific examples. I mean, one of the most high profile examples is Dr. Michelle Fiscus. I am a pediatrician by training and um, up until recently was... Who was the immunization director of the state of Tennessee, who believes she was fired as political retribution for circulating a memo about getting adolescents vaccinated. So um, Tennessee has, has had a doctrine in place since 1987. It's a Tennessee Supreme Court ruling that would allow children 
ages 14 to 17 to consent for their own medical care if their physician felt that they were mature enough to do so. And at the request of the physicians who were asking what to do when minors presented for COVID-19 vaccines without a parent, I sent a memo informing them of that doctrine. And uh, Republican lawmakers in the state said she went too far to get adolescents vaccinated and that she undermined parental authority. And there was even a moment in which a legislator suggested that maybe the whole health department should be dissolved. And, um, so it's it's just completely um, unheard of that someone would suggest such a thing um, because they were upset about a, a communication that went out explaining a 34-year-old case law. It's been political in both red and blue states. The difference is how red states have reacted to it and started to pass legislation to curb the ability of public health to quarantine people, curb the ability of public health to institute mask mandates, curb the ability of public health to issue emergency orders or limit the length of those emergency orders to just a few weeks. And then they have to be, you know, reissued by a legislative body. In other words, it takes it from an apolitical place to a political place. And that is a recipe for disaster, experts have told me, for public health, because you need to be able to react quickly and apolitically. There is this unwillingness now in in our state and others, but especially in southern states, for the public to do the thing that's important to stop this pandemic, and that is to think about someone besides yourself and wear a mask. And get- uh, So it's an incredibly dangerous territory. And I think a contested one, as you said, evidenced most recently by Arkansas's governor asking the state legislature to repeal its ban on mask mandates that it only just passed. And yes, in hindsight, I wish uh, that had not become law, Uh, but it is the law. And And why is he asking to repeal it? Because Arkansas is now in the midst of a spike in Delta infections, and they want to institute the CDC's guidance to mask kids in schools. So that it is an incredibly contested area at this moment, especially in Republican-led states. What what is driving that? Is that just ideology that there is a kind of libertarian thread through uh, Republican conservatism that just says we don't want the government or the authorities or public health officials or anyone else having powers like this over people. Is that really how we should understand that? You know, we've had Kevin McCarthy the other day taking a position against uh, mask wearing, saying that if you continue to tell people to wear a mask, that's going to undermine confidence in the vaccine because people will think, oh, there's still a problem. I mean, what is the the driving thrust behind all of this in your view? Why do Republicans keep having opposition to what are basic public health remedies. I think in some states, particularly those looking to curb public health powers, it's part of this cyclical thrust of legislation in which you argue the government is dysfunctional and therefore you argue there should be less government, but you in the process hobble government to make it more dysfunctional. And it becomes this cycle where you say, well, the government's dysfunctional, we should have less. But you've also set it up to fail in some measure where it might have succeeded had it had uh, more resources, for example. 
Listen, we've got to the part of the, uh, of the politics where really all of this is piled up on the president's desk uh, because he is ultimately in charge of the country's vaccine response, at least at federal level. And, and you've set out the landscape for us and what an inhospitable environment it is for him to operate. What can he do that he hasn't done so far to increase the uh, take up of the vaccine? So I think the first thing people think of when they think of what can the president do is a vaccine mandate. Disney joins a growing list of employers who are mandating vaccines in order to return to work. Tonight, New York becoming the first American city to mandate vaccines. And tomorrow, President Biden's expected to mandate all civilian federal employees be vaccinated or submit to strict COVID protocols. People think of it like flipping a light switch. Well, if people were forced to get the vaccine, then we'd be out of this situation. I think it's more complicated than that. Because not everyone, even if there is a mandate, and let's say it's a mandate on employment, so you work at X place and you need to show that you've been vaccinated. Well, some people might quit. So there's a potential for a backlash here. There's also a very tight labor market driven by fear of the virus, which is unusual economic circumstance that we find ourselves in. And there's also pressure on union officials at this point who are saying, "Mm, I really think that this needs to be a negotiated thing with workers, not a top-down demand. The polling says that 62% uh, of Americans do favour vaccine mandates, according to a poll for the COVID states project, but that still leaves a big number who are not for them. And as you said, there will be people who will object in other ways. I'm just wondering what else is left for him. He can exhort people to do it, or should he be taking a leaf out of the book of the governor of Alabama, Kay Ivey, Republican, who said it's time to start blaming the unvaccinated folks for the spread of the disease. I mean, that's a tif- difficult position for a president to be in to sort of turn on the voters and start saying, you, the people are getting this wrong. But in a way, maybe, you know, what do you think, Jessica? Would that be effective for him to start actually pointing the presidential finger, wagging the presidential finger at those people who just are not getting vaccinated? I mean, I think based on his speech last week, he's beginning to do some of that. You don't have to die. Read the news. You'll see stories about unvaccinated patients in hospitals. To people who are outright refusing because they're worried about, for example, their uh, individual liberties. So he argued that, you know, liberties come with responsibilities last week. And so I don't think that he's totally opposed to that. But I think he also recognizes that it's more complicated and him beginning to blame the unvaccinated, for example, which I don't think is helpful rhetoric, holds the potential to have a backlash. You know, who's the group that they most want to get vaccinated? Really young people as well. So they're doing things like reaching out, the White House is reaching out to TikTok influencers to get them to try and talk about vaccines on their social media channels. And that, I think, is what's going to win the game here. Jessica, you're a very precise scientist and scientific person, but I'm going to ask your gut instinct. What does your gut say about this? Do you think Joe Biden pulls this off and turns it around and manages to reach those people who so far have not got vaccinated? Or is that number going to stay stubbornly low? What's your gut unscientific instinct? It's such a difficult question. We're not going to reach the end of the pandemic in the way that we expect to. And what I mean by that is, I suspect we're going to be in this interstitial period where there's some new shoots of normal coming up at the same time as we see 
new cases happening and we're sort of in the pandemic still for the next year getting people vaccinated but that is going to be i think a real slog it's going to be slow progress but i i have a lot of hope based on this vaccine and i'm hopeful we will we will get there eventually but it's it's not going to be easy and i don't think it's going to end in the way that we had hoped it would have ended on July 4th. Jessica Glenzer, Senior Health Reporter for The Guardian US. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. For something a bit different, but in keeping with the theme of this week's episode, I want to tell you about a Guardian documentary called This Body, which looks at the relationship between black Americans and the medical industry documentary follows Sydney Hall, a participant in a coronavirus vaccine trial who grapples with the historical fallout of the Tuskegee syphilis experiment and contemporary abuses that continue to this day. There'll be a link to the doc on today's episode description, so do look out for that. A big thanks to Joni Grieve for holding the fort so splendidly throughout the month of July. As I'm back, I'm as keen as ever to hear your thoughts on what we should be covering. So do please send any suggestions you have to podcasts at theguardian.com. Or if you're more Twitter than email, you can tweet me directly. My handle over there is at Friedland, F-R-E-E-D-L-A-N-D. But for now, it is goodbye. The producer this week was Danielle Stevens. I'm Jonathan Friedland. Please stay safe out there and thanks, as always, for listening. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 